0: Inside it's comfortable. Inside a house, inside a family, inside a routine. But what if we widen our view beyond the fence across the street? Outside we find people struggling with loneliness, poverty, families that don't look like ours or without a safe family at all. Jesus didn't call us to live by our neighbors. He called us to love our neighbors. Well, good morning. we're excited that you are here today. Let's try this. I'm excited to be here. How about you?
1: Yeah, there we
0: go. All right. Uh, I'll never forget uh, having about a dozen three- and four-year-olds over to our house and wondering if our house was going to get washed away in the flood. Uh, how many you remember our big rains we had last fall in September? Yeah, it was a little bit crazy here in Maple Grove. Um, we were having our daughter's fourth birthday party, and we had a bunch of little kids over, and uh, you know, we're having fun, it starts to rain, and I think, ah, it's a Midwestern rainstorm. And then it starts getting more and more and more rain, and uh, you know before long I start to go outside and, like just look at the water. The water is rising, and we have a long driveway, and it starts kind of slowly inching up our driveway. And then I see like our mailbox is basically covered, you know, up to the top in water. Cars are getting stuck outside, like it is crazy. Uh, but fortunately, you know, we had just replaced our sump pump. And i got gone for like the double-barreled one. So they had one that had an emergency backup that could kick in uh, when times were crazy. And so it was pumping out well. We didn't get any water in our house. And because uh, I was like wondering, like, man, are we up high enough? Do we have a good enough foundation that we're going to be good? And we were. But I know a bunch of people even heater, had flood damage. And that was like, a rough time. And I was thinking about that, how no matter what, no matter where you live, you're going to get rainstorms. You're going to get floods. And uh, in our lives, there are times that we are gonna have storms coming against us, we're gonna have floods in our life. Uh, It doesn't matter um, kind of who you are, where you're living in your life, you're gonna have times where you are encountering storms, floods, and you're gonna wonder, man, what is going on? And the question we'll have to answer is, what is our foundation built on? What are we building our foundation on? And the good news is, is that we're not the only ones in 21st century America to ask that question like, what do we do when floods come, when the storms arise, and we're not sure, you know, kind of what to do? Uh, And people have been asking that question thousands of years. And Jesus addressed that. And what do we do when the floods come against us and life knocks us down and just kind of uncertainties happen? What do we do? And so uh, today we're going to look at what does Jesus say about that? And uh, if you have your Bibles, you can turn with me to Luke chapter 6. Here at Mosaic, we like to go through books of the Bible. And so we're working our way through Luke. And uh, we usually kind of break things up into smaller sermon series. So this month, uh, we called our series, you know, How to Neighbor, as we're looking at these teachings of Jesus called the Sermon on the Plain, and he gave us some advice on how to live a life that is honoring to God and to love others, and so that's what we've been doing this month. Uh, Next week, we're actually going to kick off a brand new series I'm pumped about called Faith, Hope, and Love. It's going to lead us into Easter, but right now we're in Luke 6 as we work our way through the book of Luke, and uh, we're in verse 46, so you can follow along with me if you want uh, on your smartphone or your Bible. The words will be behind me as well. And Jesus says this, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I tell you? Everyone who comes to me, everyone who comes to me. First, I want to just stop right there. See, Jesus invites us to come to him. And all throughout Luke and the Gospels, we see that Jesus extends this invitation. He says, follow me. And here taking notes, that's the first thing you write down is it? come to Jesus. I don't know where you are today, on your journey as you explore Christianity and faith and just questions about religion. But Jesus extends the same invitation to you that he extended to tax collectors and people of questionable character and people who've gone through stuff, people who've sinned, people who have been sinned against. And he extends that very simple invitation. He says, "Follow me. You don't have to have your whole life together and figured out before following Jesus." You don't have to be perfect before following Jesus. We like to say here at Mosaic, not perfect, we're cool with that. And Jesus feels the same way. no matter what you've done, no matter what's been done to you, and mistakes that you've made, the hurts that you've endured, Jesus says, hey, come to me. That's the first step, is that when storms of life hit us, and uncertainty, and we're not sure what to do or where to go, the first place is to go to Jesus. Maybe like me, you've been following Jesus for a long, long time, decades. I gotta be honest, coming to Jesus isn't always my first response. (laughs) There are times when I try to figure it out myself or ask my friends or seek advice and be like, ah, what should I do? But Jesus says, hey, the first thing is come to me. Come to Jesus. That's the first step. He says, everyone who comes to me and hears my words, and does them. Everyone who comes to me and hears my words, and does them. It's not everyone who hears my words and takes really good notes on Sunday morning. <laughs> everyone who hears my words and comes back the next week for part two of the sermon series. Jesus says, everyone who hears my words, and does them. See, doing is what makes the difference. Doing is what makes the difference. Application is everything. And the second thing I want you to write down today is apply what you hear. Apply what you hear. Come to Jesus and apply what you hear. See, application is everything. Application is everything. Doing is what makes the difference. Doing is what makes the difference. Because at the end of the day, it's what you do that matters. Believing is good but what you do is what is important. There's a difference, that's what makes a difference in your life, application is everything. Now, there's two people who really talked about this, that it's not just about hearing, it's about doing. And it's Jesus that we're looking at in Luke 6. But also, Jesus' brother, James, talked about this a lot. And maybe if you're newer to church or you've been checking things out, maybe you didn't even know that Jesus had brothers and sisters. What the Bible tells us he did. We know he had a, a couple of brothers, a brother named James, a brother named Jude, and they were both were followers of Jesus and, and were leaders in their early church. In fact, his brother James became the kind of the, the initial head of the Jerusalem church. And, and just think about that. Like, Jesus' brothers believed that he was God. Like, what would it take for your brother to convince you that he was God? Like, I don't have any brothers. Casey's got a bunch of brothers. Like, what would it take, Casey, for your brothers to convince you that, Casey, actually, I'm God. Like, uh, I don't think so, right? Like, I, I don't have any brothers. I've got some sisters, and, and they're married to some great guys. But my, one of my brother-in-law's, Chris, this is here second service. Jordan's in first service, actually. Like, Chris, I'm sorry. There's nothing you could do that would convince me that you really are God. He'd be like, no, Eric, I'm God. I got this under control. Like, right? But James believed that Jesus' his big brother was God. The Bible tells us that when Jesus first started teaching and proclaiming that he was the son of God, like his family actually tried to like grab him and like stick him in a saint asylum. Like, you're crazy. Stop talking. They didn't believe him. But then Jesus died on a cross. And then three days later, he rose again from the grave. And then his brothers and his sisters and his mom were like, whoa, he's telling the truth. Jesus is the son of God. And they followed him. They were willing to die (laughs) For that truth, and so we want to pay attention to what James says, Jesus' brother, because for Jesus' own brother to believe in him, like man, that is amazing. So we're going to look at James chapter one and see what James says about this idea that doing is what makes the difference. Uh, James 1.22, He says, "But be doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. But be doers of the word, and not only hearers." deceiving yourself. James says there is this tension, and oftentimes with those of us who are Christ followers, those of us who are churchgoers, uh, this tension between just listening and we deceive ourselves. And so we look at that and be like, what do you mean, James? What do you mean that by listening I'm deceiving myself? I don't get that. Like, how can listening be bad? And what do you mean I'm deceiving myself? Well, I think what James is saying is what happens in every church every Sunday And I think it might even be happening, you know, right here, right now. See, what happens in our church culture, it's not that different than what happened in Jesus' culture where people would go to synagogue. Uh, They had the temple in Jerusalem, but they had these synagogues or like small little churches we'd hear teaching and Scripture read. And people back then and people today think, hey... I'm in the building. I should get credit, right? Like, you're all here today thinking, I braved the rain. Like, I'm not in Mexico like all my friends on spring break. Like, I'm still here. Like, God, I should get some credit, you know? Like, I stayed awake for 90% of that sermon. Like, I should get some bonus points. And, you know, about 70% of the time, I was actually paying attention. I wasn't distracted by my phone or the fact that there's like ropes on the wall over there. You know, it's like, oh, there is. (laughs) Uh, And so, you know, we think we should get some credit because we're in the room. I'm listening. That's that's, that's what matters. You know, and it's like, yeah, God's like, oh, you're right. You know, Gabriel, write that down. You know, that, um, you know, Justin was there on Sunday, week of spring break. He wasn't in Mexico. He gets bonus points. So let's make sure he gets a good parking spot at the mall this week when he goes there with his wife, right? Like we think that way sometimes, like we just, we get bonus points just because we heard, just because we were in the room. And James is saying, no, it's not just about hearing. It's not just about being in, the, in church or being in the room or being here at Weaver Lake Elementary School. It's about doing. It's about applying God's word to our life. And James is saying that we deceive ourselves in thinking that it's just about showing up, it's just about listening. Believing is great, but application is what makes the difference. And then James gives us this great illustration. He says in verse 23, For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and then goes away and at once forgets what he's like. He kind of says it's like this. Like, in our culture, we actually have good glass mirrors. And they didn't have that in Jesus' day. Uh, So we have kind of an advantage there. We have actual mirrors. And some of you ladies have, like, I've seen pictures of these. Like, these are crazy mirrors with lights around them, and they're, like, magnifying so you can see, like, every single pore on your face and, like, up your nose to your brain. And, like, how do I look? And, like, those kind of mirrors freak me out. I would not want to look at myself in one of those kind of mirrors. In Jesus' day, they had like, you know, bronze or, sh- you know, shiny metal to kind of look at their reflection. Or oftentimes, they'd have a bucket of water. They'd maybe splash their face, you know, kind of to wake up, kind of bathe in that. And they'd take the water outside in the sunlight. And that would be like their mirror, like looking down. Uh, and that would be kind of their reflection. And what James is saying is that someone who just comes in and is just sitting in a row and listening to what, you know, they need to do. and Like, oh, yeah, you're right. You know, I need to stop doing that. I need to live this way. I, sh- I should do that. But then just walks out the door and doesn't apply any truth to their life. He's saying that's like someone who wakes up in the morning and uh, you look in the mirror and you're like, whoa, I got some crazy bedhead and like I got some stanky breath. Like this is not good. And you don't do anything about it and you just go get dressed and you come to church. Like that is not okay. Like... You can wake up with crazy hair and stinky breath if you're like 13 or under, okay? Uh, but if you're older than that, it's not okay. You, you, you look in the mirror, and then you want to fix kind of what is going on. Uh, and when do you stop looking in the mirror? Like you stop looking when you look somewhat presentable, right? Which some of us, it takes a lot longer than others <laughs> to look like, okay, I look pretty good. Now I can walk away. Uh, but James is saying, you know, One of the problems is we spend too much time looking at physical mirror and caring kind of about the outside and not enough on the really important things. See, when, when God's word is held up like a mirror in your life and you go, oh, you know what? That's right, I need to work on that. I need to change how I spend my money. I need to not drink so much. I need to get rid of that relationship. I need to be kinder. I need to have more patience with my kids but then you don't do anything about it. You don't actually apply any of that to your life. It's like, oh, I need to change, and then but you don't actually do it. You just, it's like looking in a mirror, seeing that you need to like brush your hair, and then just walking away. And see, wh- whether you have every hair in place this morning, your makeup is perfect, and you look great, that ultimately isn't going to affect the quality and direction of your life. What ultimately is going to affect the quality and direction of your life is taking God's truth and applying it to your life. And saying, God, what do you say about how I should handle my money? God, what do you say about how I should work in business and be ethical and not cut corners? God, what do you say about honoring and respecting my spouse and raising my kids in a way that is honoring to you? And not just listening and hearing about that, but taking those truths and applying it to our lives. That's what makes a difference in our lives. Uh, this week, I had a friend, I think she's in here now, uh, but she posted this picture this week on Facebook, and uh, it really got me thinking. Uh, it was this image and said, Share four words that you would say to your 16 year old self. Share four words that you would share to your 16 year old self. And it got me really thinking about that. What would you say to kind of your 16 year old self? What would you say? It probably wouldn't be something kind of external, like, like for me, Eric, don't try to bleach your own hair with your best friend Dan Brown uh, you know, in your bathroom because it's gonna turn orange, uh, that's not good. Or you know, maybe don't get both your ears pierced in college because you look kind of like a pirate. Uh, or maybe you ladies is like, oh, don't get that haircut or wear this dark eyeshadow or whatever it might be. Like, ultimately, that stuff doesn't really matter. I think if we were really going to go back and give advice to our 16-year-old self, we would say, "Hey, like, listen to your parents." They actually knew what they're talking about. We didn't think they did. Or, "You know what? Don't get involved in, with so many relationships and, and date around so much, because you know what? It just wasn't healthy. Or, you know, <laughs> don't just blow all your money as a college kid having fun, but maybe start investing in your future and setting up your life for success. See, there are, are things that ultimately do make a difference in our life, and just kind of how we look in the mirror and the outward stuff, that's not the things that's going to affect the quality and direction of our life. And James says this, he says, but the one who looks into the perfect law, not just a mirror, but into the perfect law, the law of liberty, he's speaking about Scripture and God's Word, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer acts, but being a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. He will be blessed in his doing. James is saying that application makes all the difference. Application makes all the difference. Believing is good. It's fine. It's good to hear God's word. but It's actually taking those truths and doing them That's what makes a difference in our life. It's actually taking God's truth and applying it to our life and saying, okay, God, what do I need to change? Not just what do I need to hear, what do I need to apply to my life that makes all the difference in our life? Well, let's read on what Jesus says. He says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I tell you? Everyone who comes to me and hears my words and does them, I will show you what he's like. He's like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And when a flood arose, the stream broke against that house and could not shake it because it had been built, well built. But the one who hears and does not do them is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. When the stream broke against it, immediately it fell and the ruin of that house was great. Jesus is saying there's two ways to build a house. On a foundation and no foundation. And see, what you build your life on, what you build your house on, matters see a foundation that is set on a rock is going to be fine but a house that's not this is built on sand with no foundation when the floods come when the storm rises that house is just going to be blown away See, right now, if you went to the bank and you said, hey, bank, uh, I want to buy a cabin up north. It's on this lake. There's no foundation. They just kind of built this cabin on some sand next to the lake. Uh, Can I have some money, you know, a loan to go buy this? And uh, I'll tell you what, you're not going to get a loan. You might get some chuckles and like, yeah, right. Uh, But they're like, no, because a house that doesn't have a foundation, a cabin that, you know, isn't built on rock, it's just on shifting sands, like that's not going to be there very long. And it's going to get washed away at some point when the storms come. See, what Jesus is saying is that the floods are coming. The floods are coming. That in this life, we will have trouble. The floods are coming, and so we need to build a good foundation. And Jesus tells us, what is a good foundation? He says, God's truth plus our obedience equals a rock-solid foundation. God's truth plus our obedience equals a rock-solid foundation. See, it's not enough just to hear God's truth. It's not enough just to read God's truth and open your Bible and have your quiet time. It's not enough to just listen to sermons or discuss it in your small group. Jesus says, the one who builds his house on a rock, he's the one who does what I've commanded you. See, application is everything. Doing is what makes the difference. Not just about hearing, but actually taking God's words and applying them to our life. See, so many of us, I think we build a life and we say, you know what? Life is good and fine as long as nothing really happens. As long as no disaster hits us. You know what, we spend a little bit more each month than we make, but you know what, we'll be fine as long as you know, we don't lose a job or have some kind of medical disaster, we'll be okay. Or you know what, our life, we don't really have community, we don't really have friends who can pour into us that we could go to if something happens. We're so busy running our kids around to all their activities, we're fine. You know, as long as all of a sudden, you know, we don't get hit with some disaster and we really need community in our life. As long as everything is just kind of hunky-dory and smooth sailing, I'll be okay. Jesus says that's a foolish way to live your life. (laughs) Because no matter who you are, no matter where you are, the storms are going to come. You're going to have floods in your life. Just because you're a follower of Jesus doesn't mean that we're exempt from troubles and trials and tribulations and flood hitting us. Each of us, we're going to have floods that come into our life. I love the movie Jurassic Park. You guys remember the Jurassic Park? Like the original special. And Jeff Goldblum is great. And uh, basically they have this park set up with dinosaurs. And it's kind of like, as long as nothing happens, the park's going to be fine. (laughs) And Jeff Goldblum, who's a scientist, and he talks about this kind of chaos theory. He's like, that's not how life works. Nothing happens exactly the way you plan it. Things are going to come. Different complications. You know, dinosaurs are going to get loose and be crazy. And like, eat someone while they're in a porta potty Like, that's what happens in life. And it's the same in our life. Like, we can make our plans and think, oh, this is where I'm going to be in 5, 10, 15, 30 years, and then I'm going to retire. You know, I'm going to pay off my house in 27 years. It's all going to be good. Life's going to be great. The problem is, that's not how things go. Unexpected tragedies hit us. Brokenness, blessings that we don't see are going to come against us. And so, what are you building your foundation on? Build your foundation on Jesus and His truth. See, people talk a lot about having faith. And in our culture, a lot, it's like it's good to have faith. You just need to have faith. And as long as you have faith, life is great. It doesn't matter what you have your faith in, you need to have faith. But see, that's really silly. Because, like, if you went out onto the lake, you know, right now, maybe certain lakes maybe have, like, half an inch of ice on them, if any, and you're like, you know what, I have faith that my four-wheeler, that my big truck is going to drive across that lake and I can go ice fishing. Like, it doesn't matter how much faith you have, you're going to crash through that ice. See, it's important to have faith, but what's more important is the object of our faith. What's more important than just having faith is the object of our faith, We need to put our faith and build a foundation on Jesus and on God's truth. And when we have a foundation of God's truth, plus our obedience, that is what's going to build a rock-solid foundation. See, when the storms of life come, and you haven't built a good foundation, and like your house is like washing down the river, and you're in the top floor of your house, you know, going down the river, you're like, oh boy, I guess now I should start building a foundation, like that's too late. You can't then build a foundation as your pastor, I want you to know I love you and I want you before it's too late to build a foundation now. It's never too late. Build that foundation. You can start right now. And see, some of you, maybe you came from a a family background where your parents didn't do you any favors and they didn't build their lives on a good foundation. Maybe they spent more than they earned. They didn't live life in community. They didn't have any good, strong morals. You know, they drank too much. They slept around. Whatever they did, They didn't have a good foundation. Maybe your grandparents, maybe no one in your life had a good foundation. But you can make a difference in the trajectory of your family. And you can set up your children and your grandchildren and your great-grandchildren for a life that has a strong foundation on God and his truth. You can make a difference or you can just simply hope you know maybe you know uh, you know maybe some politicians are going to hand out free foundations and that'll that'll get me or you can just blame your parents or you can just kind of say you know it's not my fault you know I, I had a, a rough childhood and this is where I am now and I'm just going to blame everyone else or you can man up or woman up and say you know what no this is my family this is my life I'm going to take responsibility for it and I'm going to build a good foundation regardless of what my parents did, regardless of what my siblings are doing. I'm going to build a strong foundation on Jesus so that when storms come, so that when the floods come, you have something to stand on because those floods will come. See, I know personally, I found out what my foundation was on when I went through a shaking. See, like a house... The foundation isn't as important when life is just good and everything is great. But when a windstorm comes in or a flood arises, that's when you know whether or not you have a good foundation. And in my life, it's those times when I've gone through troubles and trials and unexpected tragedies. That's when I found out what my foundation really is in. Am I trusting my bank account? Am I trusting family and friends? To bail me out? Or is my foundation really on Jesus? Now, I'm just going to be super honest here. Uh, This week, as I was preparing this message and working on this and diving into the scripture, uh, just totally honest, I I was really struggling uh, because uh, here's the thing. As, as uh, a pastor up here, it can be really easy to just say, uh, here's your three-step process, and if you do this, life is great, and it's very simple, and here's all you need to do. Uh, God's truth can be simple, but it's not easy. And just because you have a strong, firm foundation doesn't mean you're not going to get rocked. And I don't want to give the impression that life can be hunky-dory and if you have a strong foundation in Jesus, nothing's going to hurt. The truth is, there's still going to be stuff in your life that you're not even sure why this happened. There are things that we're going to go through in life that we won't understand until we get to heaven and got it. We can ask God. Not every tragedy has some lesson that we can come out and say, oh, now I understand God, thank you. Sometimes things just happen to us and we don't know why. And it hurts. But whether or not you get up is depending on what your foundation is built on. Uh, We're gonna watch a little testimony video of uh, uh, our associate pastor, Nate, and his wife, Christina, sharing. And we showed this about a year ago, but I wanted to show it again because I think it's really good. And they're just sharing a little bit about some unexpected brokenness in their life. And they had a strong foundation, they have a strong foundation on Jesus, but that doesn't mean they didn't get rocked and, uh, and just unsure and have doubts. And I want you to know it's okay that if you're here and you're going through a flood and some unexpected thing is hitting you, God is big enough for your doubts, for your questions, uh, for your wondering And I love that Nate and Christina are able to share with openness and brokenness and say, you know what? We're not sure why we've gone through this. We're still asking that question, but their foundation is still on Jesus and his truth. Go ahead and check out this video.
1: When I was training him today, this is a joke he was nipping at my hair and pulling it. Also, he likes to
0: climb up my shirt and sit on my shoulder.
1: Both of the children are huge blessings. And I always worried with, after having Eli, I said if we ever have another baby, there's no way I'm gonna be able to love this baby as much as Eli. I really, that was a big fear. Yep. And then Maria came along and instant, instant, yeah.
2: And Eli, I mean, we had Eli, we had Maria, you know, and we wanna have more kids, but do we need to create more kids to have more kids, huh. really? So that's when we started talking about adoption. A couple weeks later, we started the process to adopt.
1: The process couldn't have gone any better. It was 11 months from start to finish, from the time that we sent in our first payment with our application until the day that we brought him home.
2: I mean, truly, there were no hiccups. It was smooth, smooth as could have been. And then meeting him for the first time was, I mean, like just exactly the mind-blowing, amazing experience you think it's going to be. Like, oh my gosh, this is the best thing ever.
1: We weren't really looking to do international adoption again necessarily after Solomon, which is funny because it went so well. And then I was teaching a class at Crown, and one of the students in the class had heard that we had adopted internationally. And she worked with an organization in Liberia with children that had different medical needs. And she asked me, would you consider adopting a child who had hydrocephalus? We prayed about it, talked about it and just felt like God was saying, yeah, little little boy named Junior, Samuel. And so we moved forward with that process to adopt from Liberia. Samuel was 14 months, and the process was moving along, and then I was sitting in my office at Crown College one day, and I, I got a phone call from the director of the orphanage, and she told me that morning, there's a complication, and, and he passed away. That hit me hard, and I was on the phone with her, I was crying. And um, after a few minutes of talking, it surprised me, but she said, um, I know this might seem like funny timing to even ask you this. There's another boy named James who drank caustic soda, which is a clear liquid that in Liberia they use for detergents. It was in a water bottle. He's two years old, he drank it, and it burned his esophagus. So now he has a feeding tube. And she said, would you just pray about consider maybe adopting him. I really felt like God was saying, James, we're supposed to do this. We're supposed to adopt James. And we were praying about it, and we both felt the confirmation. This boy needs to be adopted just as much as Samuel did. Traveled over to Liberia. The plan was I was gonna be with him for a week, week and a half, taking care of him at the guest house I stayed at. Brought him to the embassy, U.S. Embassy, and they denied the visa.
2: And so Nate ended up extending this trip. He stayed longer.
1: And I was wi- really willing to stay for months if I had to. I did not want to leave him there and come home without him. That was going to be the worst.
2: you had custody of him. He was uh, living with I Nate. had custody.
1: He, he was mine. Yeah. yeah. And I didn't want to give him up. Um, but then the more that we talked with the US embassy, they said the best thing we can do is for me to come back, rework through the process, get the right documentation, and then go back again. And so... So came home? I came home it in happened. July. And then by September, it looked like things were getting close to being ready for me to travel back there and get him. Um, we were nearing the end of that process. And then um, we got the phone call that he had died. It was, was like, this isn't God's plan. A- we're not going to let hmm. Satan win. This is Satan. Right,
2: yes. Like, who?
1: He I can't believe this happened again. And James was not supposed to die. James
2: is not supposed to die. He was
1: sweet little boy with yeah. And and from what I've heard from from a lot of people too that there's parts of it that are probably similar to going through a miscarriage. All the the, the dreaming the whole, about the picturing the kid growing up and all this and then it's it's lost.
2: I think for me it was kind of a beginning of a really really hard time for me. I Ended up having a lot of doubt about God, like really, like truly. I had, had some depression issues.
1: I believed, and I still believe deep down, that it wasn't God's plan. That God wasn't sitting there saying, "I want these boys to die. I'm going to make them die." And for for this reason, um, I truly believe that God's plan and hope was that they would come here with us, and that we live in a broken, fallen world, and. Lots of bad things happen because of that. This can't be the end of the story, and I don't want this to be the end of the story, and I want to see something good come out of this. And but we
2: didn't know what yeah. that was going to look like. We
1: didn't like. know what that was going to look like.
2: And I still don't know. I don't know the end of the adoption story because we're still living through this. You know, mm-hmm. We are still have hope of one day adopting mm-hmm. again.
1: We've definitely had brokenness through the years, through this journey. It's always hard to say when you're in the middle of it, but when you look back, you can see all the blessings along the way. And God takes all these broken pieces and he brings them together and just makes this beautiful mosaic. I don't know how he does it, but he does. He's God. You
0: know, I'm thankful that Nate and Christina have the courage to share their story. And what I like about them sharing their story is it's not this neat bow of, you know, and then everything worked out and it's all happy stories. Because sometimes we don't know why. And so maybe right now you feel the floodwaters rising and you have uncertainty about your future. Maybe you have some past hurts, some brokenness in your heart. You don't understand why you went through that. The beautiful thing is that God does not stay distant from our pain and hurt, but that He comes into our brokenness, He comes into our uncertainties, and He sits with us. He sits in silence. He's there with us as we wonder, as we doubt, as we cry, as we say, God, I don't understand, or I'm scared for the future, or I have this anxiety, or I'm wondering. So I want to invite you, come to Jesus. Wherever you are in your journey, come to Jesus. Ask him, God, what what are the truths that I have read, that I have heard I've had friends tell me, you know what, I'm concerned about this. I've just been listening, but I haven't applied those truths to my life. Ask Jesus for that wisdom to know what it is that you need to do. Because doing makes all the difference. And build your foundation on Jesus and his truth. The Storms are still going to come, but then you'll have a strong foundation for you and for your family and when the wind the waves come, you'll be able to stand firm and it won't knock you down. It won't wash you away. We're going to have a time of reflection. We do this every once in a while. And uh, we're going to have the band sing a song. We're going to have our prayer team in the back. And if you would like to have someone just put a hand on their shoulder and just pray for you, maybe you have something going on in your life. Maybe you could use some healing from past hurt. Maybe you're uncertain about kind of just some, you know, job choices or future you know, housing choices and say, the beautiful thing about God's church, his kingdom, is that we're a family. We get to do life together as a community. And there's something very special about asking someone to pray with you. So as the band plays, I'm going to invite you to, to seek some prayer, to spend some time reflecting and thinking, and then we'll close with a final song after this. Why don't you stand with me? <laughs> I'm going to pray for us, and then we'll spend a time of just reflecting. God, we thank you that you don't leave us during the flood and the storms, but God, that you come near us, and you're with us, that you aren't distant, that you're here right with us. So God, I pray that whatever it is that we're going through, um, whatever we need, God, that we would invite you in. We would say that you are welcome here with us, We pray that you would heal hurts, God, that you would illuminate our minds to know what to do and give us your wisdom. And God, for those who just are lonely, who are hurting, God, that we would feel your love and your your peace wrap around us. Thank you, Jesus. Jesus.